and uh, I'm going to invite Ephraim up in a moment. I, I just wanted to begin uh, by sharing um, the words that are on the back of the teaching booklet, which are Romans 10. These will be familiar to a lot of us. Uh, Romans 10, 14 to 15 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's a wonderful verse and it's a really challenging verse to us. And I very much um, the whole idea about speak and our purposeful growing on a witness is that feeling certainly for me and I, I hope for you that it, it's not easy to to proclaim the good news of Jesus um, it's not easy and yet we want to be encouraged in it and keep doing it and be on the front foot with it um, sometimes we can be quite on the back foot uh, maybe we can feel defensive but we want to we want to be on the front foot because how beautiful are the feet who, of people who bring good news. We have good news to share. And uh, my uh, hope and prayer for this weekend is that, that we go away encouraged and confident and being on the front foot as we seek to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's my hope and prayer. And that's why we're focusing this, this weekend on this aspect of our vision. So Ephraim, do you want to come down the front and I'll pray for you, brother? As a handover, hopefully you're ready. (laughs) If you didn't get to meet Ephraim uh, last night, I'm really sorry. Do try and grab him. There's about a dozen people who have arrived uh, this morning. So um, I don't don't think we... I was going to say taped it. That's really old. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not that old. (laughs) Um, Recorded it. On the VHS. On the VHS. (laughs) So I don't think we did. Um, but welcome. Thank Let you. me pray for you as you begin, as we begin. So God, our Father, we really want to grow in, our, in, our, in confidence in sharing the good news of Jesus this weekend. And Father, we pray that you will, we will be working amongst us, challenging us and equipping us. And I pray for our brother Ephraim. I pray that you'll help him as he speaks to us. Give us your word, we pray that we may go away um, inspired and confident to share good news. You've given us such a wonderful news to share, and we just pray that you'll stir us and equip us. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Welcome. Amen. Over to you. Thank you. I'll get rid of this Thank for you. you. Good morning, everyone. It's very good to see you this morning. I hope you can hear me okay. Um, for those who didn't... Um, see me yesterday. My name's Ephraim, and I'm a Lewisham resident, born and raised in South London. I work for London City Mission as the, um, part of the, the training team there, and um, it's a real privilege to be with you on your first church weekend away for years, literally. Um, it's about two and a half years, I understand. And I know it's a precious time for you to be able to just have just the luxury of time, actually, and be able to spend a bit more time with each other than you would normally on a Sunday and during the week when you have to rush off for other things. And it's such an encouragement to my heart that you would 
take this time out to seek the Lord as it relates to speaking out on his behalf. And the reality is that all of us are called to speak out. All of us are called. It's it's not just for the professional few, as it were. And yet all of us feel the same level of intrepidation and, and caution and if not fear in having to do so. And so my desire in my heart is to really be an encouragement. You, you are all very much, as a church, um, stepping out. And it's clear to see that. Uh, I was just mindful of the fact that we're um, nearing November and it will be the fireworks on Blackheath again. Uh, I've been there a few years. It's not going to be on this year. They cancelled it. Cost of living strikes again. <laughs> Lord have mercy. And I, and I know that's historically that's been quite a, an evangelistic opportunity for you as a church. And so to be able to encourage you um, as it relates to uh, mission and especially, you know, knowing that we're neighbours is a, is a real blessing. Now, one of the things that strikes me uh, about not just your, your efforts, but your attitude to mission is that there's a real sense of intentionality, which I've been a Christian for many years and often people lack intentionality when it comes to mission. Often Christians find themselves in a place where if it happens, it happens and when it happens, uh, I'm not quite sure how it will go but Lord, we trust you and we, we set our face to the wind. And as a result, it it tends to be the case that actually it happens less often than it may do if we were more intentional. And so this effort to be intentional is extremely encouraging. Now, we're familiar with the Great Commission. Matthew 28, go into all the world. And yet, I am somebody who firmly believes that the Great Commission is truly representative of the great adventure for us as Christians. I've pondered this often. In Ephesians 6, it it talks about the armour of God. And we see verses 14 and 15 say, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And there isn't just a sense of stability that is, is pictured there for the, the wearer, if you like, of gospel shoes. But there's also a sense of adventure that accompanies that. Because what do we use our feet for primarily? It's not a trick question. (laughs) (laughs) We're walking. We're walking. And that sense, that, that, that conveys a sense of purpose, that there would be direction, that there would be progress. 
And this alludes to scriptures from Isaiah that talks about how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who carry the good news. And so if you found yourself maybe feeling a little stagnant in your relationship with God, maybe you found yourself feeling a little bored, maybe you felt like you've plateaued and you've not really been making progress, I want to invite and challenge you to be intentional and step out as it relates to mission. Thank you, Nigel. I'll just, when I remember. (laughs) Because truly, it is not just that we are called to be a blessing to others as bearers of beautiful feet carrying the good news of Jesus to others. But actually, there is a great blessing that we experience ourselves. And I'm sure those of you who have... uh, How many of you have been out on the the, the parish visiting? Uh, Okay. And I'm sure that those of you have been out, any of you been out, this is the first time you've been out and done anything like that door to door, any of you? Well done, my brother. Congratulations. You've broken the ice. There's no stopping you now. (laughs) Amen. And there's no doubt that in doing that, going out and having that experience, there's a sense of exhilaration as you break the ice, as it were, and cross that, cross that threshold. And so the encouragement is to be intentional, and that's my desire to help us practically. This isn't going to just be preaching. I'm not going to just talk at you for, for this session and for the sessions that I do. I'm actually going to engage you and involve you in practically being intentional in terms of preparing and being ready to share the good news. As that verse said in Ephesians chapter 6, feet fitted with the readiness. You almost got that picture of the, 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 the athlete in the blocks with their spikes on. Good stance, good grip, ready to go. And my prayer is that, no doubt, you will find yourself in that place as a result of our time together. And I know Ed's prayed. Um, I wonder if you'd permit me to to pray again, just to calm my nerves. Lord, we thank you so much. You said in your word how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And it's a privilege to be here as part of this church family's weekend away and to be able to share in this time. And I pray that you would use me to speak to them, that you would prepare them for those works that you have saved them for. And Lord, I pray that you would be greatly glorified as a result. Amen. Now, when I was coming up in the faith, I had a couple of close friends who I went on to plant a church with. The church is now called Ecclesia. We're based in Lewisham. And that was a few decades ago, uh, a couple of decades ago. And one of the things that we would do as we were really sort of encouraging one another in the faith and um, seeking after the Lord together is we we would challenge each other to, to share our story. And we said that, you know what, every Christian should have a short, medium and long version of their story. You know, that sort of bus stop version when divine opportunity happens and you've got a couple of minutes, you see it on the, on the ticker and 
it says the bus, and yet somebody's asked you, what is your story? You're a Christian. How it came out in conversation, we don't know. Sometimes these things surprise us, right? And yet you have an opportunity in that few minutes. Uh, maybe you're sitting in a calf and you're with a colleague from work and you're on lunch break and it, it, again, it comes up and they ask, what's your story? You, you religious? You're Christian? Tell me about that. Maybe you're at friends for dinner with family members and you've got much more leisurely time and you can give the, the director's cut unedited version. I don't know how many of you have ever considered your own story. I mentioned last night that for me, I felt like I didn't have a story to tell. I grew up in church. I'd always heard about God. I always knew of him. I was aware of him. I I, I had to pray every night and and quote the Psalms before I went to sleep. Otherwise, it would be a very long night. That was my grand's assertion. And so I felt like I had no story to tell. And yet, every single one of us have got a story. There's a reason why you're here today in this room on this weekend considering speaking out for the Lord. And so, off the cuff, I'm going to give you some work to do. I'm going to invite you around your tables to pair up and to share your story in three minutes. Yes, I did just say that. (laughs) Attempt to share your story in three minutes, and then what I'm going to do is going to reset the clock and give you an opportunity to, for the other person to share. And you might say, um, uh, uh, I've never really thought about it. Uh, I'm not even quite sure of the story. Uh, that's fine. You see, as part of our intentionality and as part of our readiness, there's a need to become ready to practice. And so let me get my timer out. There we go. I'm going to give you three minutes. Starting now. Okay. If you've not already swapped, I'm going to invite you now to swap over and give the other person a chance to share their story. And so your three minutes starts now. Now, put your hand up if you heard the other person's story for the first time. Woo, look at that. Was it not encouraging to hear? Now, I appreciate I didn't specify what story. (laughs) Which was intentional. It was a very generic ask. And so it could have been, you know, the story of where you were born or, you know, what school it was like. It could have been whatever story you chose to tell. I wasn't specific. But nonetheless, you learned something about each other in in the process, right? And also, you flexed and exercised your sharing muscles, as it were. One of the, the, the greatest barriers to us sharing with others is actually ourselves. We have this assumption that people don't really want to hear. 
we have this assumption that it's going to be a really awkward conversation or we're going to make a fool of ourselves or they're going to ask us really difficult questions. Um, have a look at a few of these statistics. So Talking Jesus is a survey that is done periodically. The last one was done in 2015-17 and then there was one done very recently and they've just published a report in 2022. And basically they surveyed over 4,000 people as a representative sample of the nation. And according to their survey, it is said that there are um, six, 6% of those surveyed were regarded as practicing Christians. 6%. Now, their definition of a practicing Christian is someone who goes to church at least monthly, once a month, and reads their Bible and prays once a week. So it's a very kind of um, broad definition as to practicing Christian. 6%. And that's actually down from the last survey, which was 9%. A rare breed we are. And yet, the survey also revealed the the number of non-Christians who know a practicing Christian. So in that 94%, some of whom would consider themselves Christians, from within that whole mass, how many of them would actually know a practicing Christian? And here we see it's as low as 53%. And it was higher in the last survey. I think it was 67% or something like that. So again, this number's decreased significantly as to... It's almost one in two people say that they don't have a Christian friend or family member or colleague that they're aware of that they would know to speak about Jesus with. This is here in the UK. That's quite a startling statistic, right? And it seems that that's been intensified as a result of COVID and lockdown, quarantine, isolation, etc., etc. On this next slide... There's information there you can ponder. I want you to look at the middle circle on this one. This middle circle represents those who are Christians and don't feel that they know any non-Christian friends well enough to invite them to a course, event, or service at their church. So this is from among the practicing Christians those who don't feel they know a non-Christian friend well enough to invite them to a course event. And so, I realise that the the key hasn't been translated into that image, so I'll tell you what the, the key is there. The dark shades are those who agree that they don't know. The light shade disagree. And the in between shade, does it come up? Yeah, 
So it's sort of orange, sort of creamy, and something in between the two. <clears throat> Say they don't know. And so fundamentally, again, that's quite a significant number of practicing Christians who feel that they don't know a non-Christian well enough to invite them to a Christian gathering. And interestingly, I don't know if we're able to go back to the previous slide, if you look at the numbers here, you've got roughly, let's count the don't knows as well, 47%. Whereas on the previous slide, you had 46% who don't know a practicing Christian. Numbers are so closely aligned. And so that says to us that there's at least one person in our life who doesn't have someone, and I say in our lives on the periphery, who doesn't have someone to share Jesus with them and may not even know that you or I are a Christian. And yet there's an opportunity there. On the next slide, I'll be there. Which one's this? Yep, that's the one. Again, looking at the middle circle here, we see 59%, including the don't knows, of practicing Christians suggest that other believers are better suited than I am to talk to non-Christians about Jesus. You ever felt like that? I don't know enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not knowledgeable. I'm not a theologian. Uh, you know, I can just about say my name first thing in the morning, let alone talk about Jesus. And So let's leave it to those who do know. And as a result, and again, when you look at the numbers, there's a, there's a real sort of parity with those previous categories. People withdraw. And so we're almost left with this scenario of the rom-com where you kind of have the, the boy who likes the girl and the girl who likes the boy, but they're kind of really shy to kind of uh, express that and they get on with each other and they're really good friends and everybody's watching the film saying, go on, just talk to her, come on. And they're there beating around the bush, as it were. And it's, it feels like that's us as Christians so often. In our minds, we're thinking, no, oh, everybody I know already knows about Jesus. They've heard about Jesus already. I'm just going to intrude if I say anything more. And yet there are those who are longing. At London City Mission, where I work, one of our teams based in Croydon um, partnered with a church there and was going out doing door-to-door. And in doing so, they um, went to visit a house and as they visited the, the, the house and got speaking to the resident, the, the person said to them, just this week I prayed and I called out to God and I said, God, if you're there, reveal yourself. And you are the answer to that prayer. Literally. And there are stories like this emerging right across the city. And we've lived in through some very unprecedented times. It's a phrase that's a bit redundant now. We hear it so much. COVID pandemic. War in Europe. I mean, the, the passing 
of the late queen had a huge impact on awakening people. She was a woman of faith and she was open with her faith, even in a hostile context. And considering her legacy and considering her testimony and her journey and her story and the integrity with which she finished the course, many, many, many have aspired to inquire about Jesus. There's opportunity there. And no doubt, as uh, we'll skip through the next slides quickly. What time am I supposed to finish this session? (laughs) It's always helpful to know that, right? Should have checked that before I started. We're going to finish at 10.45. Wow, that feels like a luxury. Praise God. All right. Um, We've got to sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I had 10.30 in mind. You shouldn't have said anything. (laughs) And there's no doubt, as as an organization, we've done a, a survey ourselves. Thank you, Nigel, for the next one. And it showed that people feel moderately confident in sharing the gospel, gospel. Um, much less confident sharing the gospel with people, and this is the middle um, quadrant there, middle set of dots, much less confident sharing the gospel with people who are not like themselves for one reason or another. And the majority said, we definitely feel like we need help sharing the gospel. And so... There's a mandate there for us to help one another, encourage one another, build one another up. Because the reality is there is no such thing as an expert when it comes to the work of God. We are all entirely reliant on God working in us and through us by his spirit. So you can let yourself off the hook. Eddie will tell you, the other ministry team will tell you, those who have been through seminary will tell you, It doesn't make you the expert. Because every person we engage with is an individual. They have their own story, their own issues, their own views. And we can be better equipped to engage with views, but only the Lord can change hearts. Amen? I forgot to mention that the church I grew up in was Pentecostal, so if I get a bit excited and... Start demanding a response from you, then you know where that's coming from. Amen? Amen? Come on. Amen. Now, look, look at this for an encouragement. Um, can we go to the next one after that? Thank you. This was a, a survey done by the Evangelical Alliance um, during COVID, and they said 70% of church leaders saw a marked increase in people showing an interest in church, Jesus, whether that be through online searches, etc., during the, the COVID period. People are open. People want to hear that God-shaped whole, as has often been talked about, that is within us, has, has been provoked. It's, it's been unveiled for many, and there is that desire to find that sense of what is it that 
I don't have in my life that I need because I know I need more than I have. And so in Colossians chapter 4 um, and verses 5 and 6, it says this. Be wise in the way you act towards who? Come on, I told you I'm a Pentecostal, right? So I'm going to get you to read the Bible with me. Come on, amen. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always, sorry, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may Amen. Thank you. So that we may know how to answer everyone. And so you could summarize the big idea of that. Be smart. Be brave. Be nice. Be tactical. Be wise. Smart. Making the most of every opportunity. Be brave. Conversation full of grace flavor be nice also be tactical learn the know-how now uh, a brother who's had uh, been a real blessing um, to my life and ministry um, his name's Greg Kukul K-O-U-K-L I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Greg Kukul he runs a ministry called Stand to Reason And he's written a book called Tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions. And he makes a very audacious claim, a very audacious claim. And And hopefully you'll be able to hear for yourself. But if I were to say to you, it is possible that you could learn how to engage with anyone and engage in a conversation about Jesus without having to do anything other than ask questions, would you believe me? Absolutely. Amen. And just the notion, hopefully, should be a bit of a stress reliever. All I've got to do is ask questions. I don't even have to quote scripture and answer questions even. Well, I mean, it's not a a flawless formula. It's not a silver bullet. But it is a means that can help us to develop effective engagement, no matter how hostile the individual. So I'm hoping that we might be able to watch a video. And in watching the video, I'm going to invite you to look out for these three things that are stated. Three things that are stated. So if we can have the next slide first. In the video, what does Greg say is the game plan? What does he say is the goal? And what are the questions to be asked? What's the game plan? What's the goal? And what are the questions? And you might want to make a note of them. Let's have a go. We, I didn't get to test this before, so you might see faces and no, no sound. We'll, we'll see how it goes. 
No? It's all right. Um, I'll share a link. I'll share a link that allows you to see the video, um, or maybe I'll play it at the, the video at the beginning of the next session. Um, how many of you are familiar with a detective? I was going to say a private detective, but actually he's not a private detective, to be more accurate. A detective called Columbo. Right. Blow that. You're just showing your age there, definitely. But there are enough repeats constantly running on the whatever you know channel that you might come across that um, even if you're of the younger generation, you will have come across Columbo. Columbo is the sort of dark-haired, curly-haired um, detective who's always wearing a trench coat and. He always seems like he doesn't know what he's doing. And uh, it, it, in Jamaica, where I come from, they, they have a saying, um, you play fool to catch wise. And that's very much Columbo's kind of MO, as it were, his mode of operation. He's, oh, uh, let me just ask you uh, one more question. And he's always got 100 one more questions before he clinches. But the thing about Columbo is that his investigations are never full of assertions, they're just full of questions. And so Greg encourage us, encourages us to take the Columbo approach to our encounters with others. <clears throat> the aim is to have an evangelistic interaction where we start off by the individual stating what they think or believe. Somebody might make the claim, oh, I don't believe in God. And often in that situation, we get flushed. We're thinking, oh, my gosh, uh, I need to have an answer to this. Uh, uh, what's, what's the best argument that I've heard? I can't remember it. Lord, help me. And we're there feeling very frustrated and anxious because we now need to prove the existence of God to this individual. And yet they made the claim. And so the person who makes the claim bears the burden of defending the claim. You see, it's not our job to defeat their claim. It's their job to defend it. And so to that end, we would then consider, okay, so the most simple to response to that is, um, so why would you say that? Straightforward question, puts the burden of response back onto them. And very often in that situation, and you may have been in that situation before, um, they have very little to say in response. Because actually, they have a position that is more of an emotional response and not one that is thought through. Now, you could end the conversation at that point... And you would have been relatively successful 
in that you've left them in a place of reflection as to, okay, I've made a claim that I couldn't substantiate. Mm. Now, others will make efforts to substantiate that claim. And again, you can respond to that with further questions. Well, I don't believe in God. No, no, I, I think that, you know, there's, there's no such thing as God. I believe in science. And so you can respond. What sort of question would you respond to with that? What kind of science? What kind of science? True indeed. Why does science disprove God? Is science without belief? All very legitimate questions that, again, puts the burden of response back on to the individual making the claim. Now, so often, when we think about evangelism, and I think there's, there's been a, a sense of this kind of um, inculcated over the years uh, among Christians, it feels like every conversation's got to lead to a conversion. If, if they're not at the end of it, you know, like the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? Then we failed in our efforts. And yet Jesus said, one sows, another waters. But it's the Lord that adds the increase. And so we may be just sowing seeds. Uh, even stones in shoes. The analogy of the princess and the pea comes to mind. Sufficient to get them to be unnerved, to, to get them to just rethink for a minute, to get them to progress slightly on their journey toward the Lord. Once we've asked the question, we can then take the opportunity to really press them. Why do you believe that? Why does that idea seem compelling to you? And in doing so, allow them to do all the talking. At the moment, all we've done is ask questions. Now, at the end of that, they may not have given opportunity, they may not have asked about Jesus, but what they've done is they've reflected on their own position. The reality is, any one of us who have made a major decision, a major purchase in our lives, we recognize that actually those decisions are not generally made in an instant. But there is a very involved process of consideration, investigation, consultation, all of which involves periods of reflection and pondering before we come to a place when we make that major decision. And for someone to, to, to embrace Jesus as their Lord and, and to recognize him as Savior, especially if they're someone who has been quite disaffected from Scripture, from God, from the Bible, then actually helping them to make a step in the right direction is a genuine win. Maybe that's us watering 
Maybe that's us sowing. And yet it is them moving progressively. Okay. So fundamentally, and maybe we need to skip on two slides, uh, three-step approach, if we're there. All right, I'll take that. Thank you. (laughs) Let's be clear about our goal. We're not trying to be Babe Ruth. Some of you will have heard of Babe Ruth. He was notably the most successful player in baseball history. Uh, I think he had struck, he had hit the most home runs. Has his record been broken? I think. Hmm? Probably. <laughs> but in his day, that was his, that was his reputation. He had, he had hit the most home runs. And Babe Ruth was known for having a particular approach. Basically, it can be summed up as all or nothing. Because he would go for every swing and aim for a home run. There was no in-between for him. And a, a few, a very few people know that not only was he the, the record holder of the most home runs in baseball, but he was also the record holder of the most strikeouts. <laughs> Which We don't have to try and be Babe Ruth and try and hit everyone for the bleachers, as it were. If we can sufficiently put a stone in someone's shoe... That's a win. Here's a couple of questions, number two, that we can use to frame our approach to gathering information. What do you mean by that? Could you clarify what you're saying? You may wish to add to that um, other iterations. But that's a very straightforward approach. Three, sorry, reversing the burden of proof, taking the questions further on the next slide. Thank you. Asking people, why do you believe that? How did you come to that conclusion? What makes you say that? Why does that seem compelling to you? And that is sufficient for you to take the conversation in a direction that allows you to explore spiritual realities And importantly, get to know where the person is coming from. Most often, we're having a conversation with someone that we will invariably see again. Invariably meet again. And so, it's okay to just leave it at that place, if necessary. So, I'm now going to invite you to engage in a little exercise yet again. Uh, I wonder if I could have the next slide, please, Nigel. Yep, that's the one, thank you. All right, the text might be a bit small. So what I'm going to encourage you to do is to um, work in the same pair that you was in just now. Um, First person A is going to ask the question, do you have faith in Jesus or do you believe in God? And... As a recipient of that question, your aim is to, and please, 
obviously you understand the tactics. So the idea isn't to be clever and to try and undermine the tactics. This is an opportunity for practice. I know you're all very capable of that. This is an opportunity for practice. To express the view of an unbeliever in response to that, however you might choose to, to answer that. And then take opportunity, person A, to practice your tactic questions in response. Um, can I please, when you're on the um, respondent side, please try and avoid answering a question with a question. Some of our temperaments, my wife is like this. No matter what question I ask, I, I'm almost guaranteed to receive a question in response. Uh, what time will it? Why? So as, as the respondent, as the one who's pretending to be the unbeliever, um, please, please try and avoid answering with questions. Just make up some kind of answer. And then when you've had opportunity to do that, swap over. Um, let me invite Nigel, if you could put it back to the, the um, last slide. Okay, so I'm going to give you three minutes again. You may not even need that, just to get a feel. Um, choose person A is going to be the believer. Do you believe in God? Person B, the unbeliever, making an unbeliever's response. There you go. How many of you were, were drawn into the temptation to do more than ask questions and rather give explanations? Go on, put your hand up, it's all right. You're in good company, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's instinctive, isn't it? As we're listening, I, I, I saw a quote once, I'm not quite sure of its source, I'm terrible with citing sources, but um, they said people generally... Don't listen. No, I could end the quote there, right? <laughs> People generally don't listen. They just wait for their turn to speak. And when we're engaging in such conversations, that's the temptation to get drawn into giving them explanations and reasons and rebuttals and, and so on and so forth. When there's tremendous value in just listening, probing, Listening, hearing, understanding. And so there's more and, uh, you know, a step that could be considered to follow that is rather than if you were going to lead the conversation at that point, you could say, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I wonder if I could just share with you my story. Three minutes? Share that with them. Because there's one thing that's certain. No one can refute your story. They may refute all sorts of other concepts and ideologies and ideas and quotes from scripture and so on and so forth, but no one can refute your story. In the book of Revelation, it says that the believers overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they didn't love their lives unto death. And that willing abandonment that says, I'll share my story of what Jesus has done for me, of what he's done in my life, 
is so powerful and definitely irrefutable. Thank you guys for participating so actively. And in the next session, um, we'll take things a step further. Shall I pray? Lord, we thank you so much because we recognize that the power is all of you. And yet we're grateful that as we rest in you and rely on you, we don't have to feel as though um, we have to be your guard dog, as it were. Uh, As Spurgeon said, who needs to defend a lion? Just let it out of the cage. And, And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be at peace and content and assured in you, confident in you, to the point where we can hear and listen and learn and engage and understand. And according to your prompted, prompting, that we might respond in a timely, winsome, effective fashion. And so we give ourselves and thank you for this time. Amen. Amen.